0: Hello and welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. You're here at Ashland University. I'm Carlos Campo, president here at Ashland. I'm joined by Dennis Montecruzis, my colleague and friend. Dennis, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: You know, we're here in the studio with great students as well. We've got Zach and Will, Bryce, Austin, and Caitlin is running the show. You know, if you're not here at Ashland today, we're encouraging you to come. You can set up a visit anytime you'd like Love to have a tour of the uh, JDM studios and see that this is the right future for yourself or perhaps a son, daughter, or grandson or daughter. We uh, know that Dave McCoy, who runs the department here, would love to do that for you, and we've got a, an admission staff to do it. And if you're listening or watching, make sure you write to us at president at ashland.edu. Go online to Spotify or Apple and and like the program as well. Tell your friends about it. I mean, you'll make an immediate enemy once they listen. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It won't happen because we've got uh, great students to keep us watching the skies appropriately. You know, the reality is, Dennis, we are concerned about the direction that higher ed is moving. You know, I think the sentiment that we have in general is we've moved away from places of unfettered intellectual inquiry and instead uh, kind of monolithic in the way that we think, kind of... uh, Ways that we're teaching
1: whatever you, whatever you tell me to believe. Yeah, well, see, there no. you go,
0: there you go. And so we're watching the skies and we're thinking, where's the intersection between what's happening in higher ed? How can we at least give what we think is a Ashland perspective? You know, we try to stay fairly neutral, although once you begin with the the, the viewpoint as we do, that we were all created for a purpose, mm-hmm. right? It changes everything. So if you don't think you're simply a product of time and chance but instead there's a non-contingent being that we call God that's represented in a very specific form. It shapes our worldview, and we're expressing that on this show as well. Unapologetic about that, but you know, interesting that I mentioned religion, at least I hope it is for our listeners and watchers, because this next topic does involve religion at some point, point. and mm-hmm. what is the appropriate way that religion is expressed on the college campus. You know, Help us understand, set this up for us. You know, we're going to, to go from Ohio uh, to Minnesota, Hamlin University, a private school, not that different from Ashland, about the same size as we are in terms of our undergraduate student body. But controversy broke out in the classroom. It involved religion. Dennis, help us understand what happened here.
1: Right. Well, first of all, I want to say that I am very glad that Minnesota exists because it means that there's one place that has much worse weather than we do. <laughs> so, okay, that, that little joke aside. So, Hamlin University, as you said, is a small, private school, and they had an adjunct professor there named Erica Lopez Prater, mm-hmm. and she was teaching a class, I don't know if it was a, specifically an art history class or if it was a, a class that had an art, art history component. component. Good point. Mm-hmm. And in this, she had told her students that she was going to show various examples of religious art, uh, including art, uh, Buddhist art and uh, Islamic art, and in particular that at one point she was going to show uh, depictions of Muhammad to to the class and she warned them said okay look this is this is coming up yes and if it gave you them like a 2 minute warning actually no think, well there's right? two that there, there there was the beginning words? of the class oh. so i mean the beginning oh, of the semester before. Got right it. so there was oh, a warning at the beginning that this would come Good clarification. but then also the day of the class uh, the, the, the day when she was going to show the um, the art she also said look you know I, I understand there are muslim sensibilities that that may find this you know that, that you may find this uh, I don't want to say offensive, but but offensive, that mm-hmm. you may find it inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And so you can leave. There's no penalty. You're welcome to do it. You know, there's, there's no problem. So if, if you don't want to see this, by all means. No one said anything to her when, when, when she gave all these warnings. She, she got no feedback from the right. students about this. Right. Then she showed it. And, and the artwork in question is a famous artwork. It is. It's by an Islamic artist. It's a 14th century um, Islamic work showing mm-hmm. Uh, Muhammad and 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 the angel Gabriel, Gabriel. Mm-hmm. right. So famous uh, moment in in um, the history of of Islam where the angel is giving Muhammad what what they take to be the revelation there. Right. So Which
0: ultimately becomes the Quran. At some
1: right. Exactly. Right. So and, and it was done by again by an Islamic artist. It's it's well known. It's it's been shown in many other classes around the, the United States and and elsewhere as well. Uh, it was it was a Persian artwork, by the way, I should say. Because uh, it's something that will that'll come up later is that it's I believe the the Sunnis have a very strong antipathy towards showing depictions of of Muhammad or any prophet or really almost any any human, uh, whereas the for for the Shia and in particular in Iran it's it's actually considered acceptable.
0: Right. So these are two groups, almost denominations, right. would you say? Right. Right. Two but, two large, movements. large yeah, movements. Yeah.
1: It's kind of a fundamental split. Yes. Um, Speaking of fundamental, itself,
0: the Sunnis being more conservative overall
1: I suppose but I, mean, I think it's it's more yeah I mean there are differences but yes. right with with respect to this they're definitely Certainly. a more conservative group got it okay uh, so anyway she she had given these warnings at the beginning of the semester in at the beginning of the class itself then she showed the artwork and it's again it's nothing so so some of you may remember the uh, the, the Charlie Ebdo the cartoonist yes where there I mean it was you know very derogatory I mean it was ridiculing Muhammad yes and uh, of course, you know that that was very inflammatory, and Turn. Muslims were upset, and it ended up that they, 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 they murdered yes. a number of the uh, the Charlie Hebdo cartoonists. Uh, but this was not that. This was a respectful, you know, it's just a scene from from that, that depicts a critical moment in in the history of Islam. Uh, so, after she had shown this this art, one of the students afterward talked to her and was upset about this, yes. and, and and said, "Yeah, this is this is offensive. It's inappropriate." and so on and the the professor kind of knew something would that there would be pushback on this and so she she told a number of her her colleagues and i think maybe her dean about this and at at least initially the people she spoke to said no no, we got your back you know you, you did the right thing you 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 were very concerned about the sensibilities of students you didn't do anything wrong right well how long before she got thrown under the bus so Eventually, you know, the student did complain to, to various people.
0: And this student was the president of the Islamic yes. club yeah. on campus, that's right, right. Yeah. that's
1: right. And um, so she complained, and the, uh, the, the school president issued, a, you know, a mea culpa. Yes. And the... I think um, I have her statement here. I'll right. read it later. You know. and, and the adjunct was her... It wasn't fired technically, but in reality, she was fired. I mean, so not technically, because as an adjunct, it means she has no protection, so they just didn't renew her contract for the, for the next academic year. Right, so the, but, the
0: university never admitted that her firing was directly related to this incident, but it sure seems right, like
1: it. Yeah, I mean, it would be an, a remarkable coincidence that right. this, this happened. But, but again, technically, yeah, it wasn't a firing. It was just they didn't renew her contract. Now, lots of groups have weighed in on this. Um, CARE, which is the Council for American Islamic Relations, has both a local chapter and, of, of course, a national office. At the local level, their chief representative said, "Yeah, this was inappropriate. It wasn't sensitive to the to the Muslim students, and and so on." At the national level, they said, "No, no, this is this is perfectly fine. I mean, it's it's, you know, it's um, legitimate academic freedom." Yes. And and the, and the, the professor was not in any way abrasive or offensive or trying to to ridicule mm-hmm. um, students or or the religion or anything of that sort. This was appropriate for an art history class. Yes. And Lots of, um, lots of other people who know the world of, of Muslim art have also weighed in and said, no, no, this, was, this is, again, it's, it's a piece of Muslim art. The, the prohibition that some Muslims have against depictions, pictorial depictions of, of, of Muhammad, uh, that's, that's an, an internal debate within Islam. There, there's not one sort of official uh, position that covers every single Muslim. Where uh, every Muslim that's even, let's say, trying to be faithful to, to their tradition. I mean, again, there's this big, big branch where within within um, you know the Sunnis say no the Shias, they're much more open to it. And again, especially in Iran, I guess, well, Persia slash Iran, there's a long tradition right. of art. Shom- it's not as
0: though the Quran prohibits. Right, the Quran sort of doesn't.
1: Thing? There are some prohibitions in in the Hadith, which is kind of supplementary. To the, uh, to the Quran, and I guess there's debate over that too and how normative it is and, uh, as well. But in the Quran itself, there aren't any prohibitions against uh, depictions of Muhammad.
0: All right, so I'm, I'm going to read some of these statements because they're fairly uniform, as you described, Dennis. Uh, here's a quote. To make blanket statements that this is prohibited, especially the image in question, is absolutely wrong, says Ali Asani, who is a professor of Islamic religion and culture at Harvard. It shows illiteracy about religion according to Asani, uh, that was the point that Mark Berkson, who's a professor and right. the chair of the religion department at, ha- at, yes. at Hamlin, right? So he makes the same point. He tries to make it. He writes a letter, and that letter was taken down by student journalists, yep. right? So the student journalists take down his letter and because th- that his letter was, quote, furthering harm to members of right. our community.
1: And, and I would add about that. So they had a discussion about what to do with this, yes. and they re- refused to let outside experts speak on this. Mm. And so it was only because he was a member of the university that he got to speak. And right. as you said, they, they, take the they took his letter down, down too. Well,
0: see, and I know that our listeners now are seeing a pattern emerge that right. when we see this sort of cancel culture happening in academia, we're going to call it out. Now, we understand the importance of being sensitive to, you know, religious right. philosophies and, and sensitivities around those things. But at the same time, you know, this intersection between academic freedom, which is incredibly important, and still can't be completely unrestrained. We understand that even academic, academic freedom has its uh, constraints. But, boy, this really feels like it endangers future teaching around art history related to this image. And, you know, let's be clear. We could go to some of the fine museums around the world mm-hmm. and, and literally see depictions of the prophet today. Right. right? right. And so I think that's another thing to, to keep in mind. It's not as though this professor were showing anything that a student couldn't see on their own. Right. And I, I should have no, checked about you know one of the great museums in Minneapolis or St. Paul. <laughs> I'm sure that they have art museums that very likely have the same kinds of images, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm i not sure know. about that. You know, but I, 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 Of course, I'm always sensitive as an administrator to these kinds of issues, and I'm looking uh, at uh, you know, the specific response of my fellow president there at Hamlin, her name is Fainice Miller, and this is what she wrote. It is not our intent to place blame. Rather, it is our intent to note that in the classroom incident, when where an image forbidden for Muslims to look upon was projected on a screen and left for many minutes, respect for the observant Muslim students in that classroom should have superseded academic freedom. So...
1: Yeah, you're already. Yeah, no, I mean, it's. it's uh, I, I find the, the statement outrageous because of the warnings that she gave. So, she took that into account. I mean, already, and you know, it's it's on the student. I mean, she should have said, "Thank you, I'm going to leave now," and and that would have been that would have been okay. But um, well, Professor Berkson
0: yeah. uh, actually pretty much quotes you here yeah. because he says the university is not modeling critical thinking when he says, "quote These students, like many." religious people do not know about some aspect of their own tradition, he said. In this case, they do not realize how these images have been used in other parts of the Muslim world and are still used today. They have a particular perspective, and I honor that. But as an academic institution, one group's prohibition cannot be extended to everyone else. Boy, I'll tell you what that last line. One group's prohibition cannot be extended to everyone else that feels like something we should almost put on our walls here at Ashland University, because we've made a commitment to these Chicago principles of free expression. And it says something kind of similar to that. You're going to be offended. You are. And as you point out, you, you're giving this student every yeah. opportunity to not allow that offense to occur. I know that you know, for us, we can't we know we're going to be subjected to things that we're to shake our head and think, I- I'll be at the front of the class objecting to what you just said or did, but I'm not going to disallow you to say or do that thing.
1: Right. I, I mean, just to give a, a simple example yes, that I please. think many of us will know, is let's say there are a lot of young earth creationists who are yes. Christians in the United States. Yes. We don't just say, oh, gosh, well, we're not going to teach. And you, you know, use
0: that phrase, young earth creationist, just to help our okay, listeners sure. just understand exactly what you're saying. By
1: right. Now. So So... Many Christians, and I would say this is probably the historical view for the most part, but things, of course, have changed, which is to say that the earth is somewhere, be, or the universe, I should say, the physical universe began to exist, let's say, roughly 10,000 years ago, years ago. Yeah. give or take. Yeah. And that creation took place over seven literal days that were consecutive. Right. And there are plenty of Christians who believe this. Mm-hmm. But still, universities don't say, well, gosh, because of these, these students, we're just not going to teach... Orthodox evolution, Darwin yeah, no. Darwinian you know the theory of evolution mm-hmm. right so no you teach it and you know they may or may not deal with it with sensitivity for Christians who may be of a young earth uh, have a young earth background mm-hmm. and and set of beliefs but nevertheless it's it's taught sure right and it it may be very upsetting to those students and again that can be done with more or less sensitivity and and you try to you know uh, Let's say massage it however you, you sure. will as the professor, but again, it's going to be taught. And well,
0: well, I'll take your uh, example to a personal level. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but in, in an undergraduate biology class, I was confronted with a professor talking about his own opinions about biology. Did a great job. as a solid teacher in terms of evolution, was teaching evolution. But he then went on to describe two men, two young men who had knocked on his door and were there to solicit him about religious faith. And I smile to myself even now some 10 years later. Okay, maybe (laughs) maybe 40 years later. But thinking about that moment, because this is what he said. He said, I realized that I had information that could absolutely demolish every particle of their faith instantly if I shared it with with them. And he started smiling, and he, thought, he said, I thought to myself, that wouldn't be fair. Here are two young men who clearly are deep into their own faith, and it's just not fair for me to demolish them <laughs> with, my, with my knowledge. And I thought to myself, see, there's an example of maybe pushing the line on academic freedom for a little bit right there. He's, uh, and, I, and I'm shaking my head thinking, you know, Prof, <laughs> you could say almost anything to me, and I'm not gonna, you're not going to demolish much. But I think that's that's an excellent point that you bring up. You know, we do bring sensitivities into the classroom, and I know that m- both of us are are fans of the recent book, "The Coddling of the American Mind." You know, where two professors talk about the fact that it's not just students, but the way we coddle our children, and not allow them to confront some of these hard ideas is is wrongheaded. You know, they actually the movement. I'm I'm, I'm putting like this uh, almost a sandwich board on because they actually have statement that they put on their children so that they allowed them to go out and play without supervision and it literally says i've been authorized you're laughing but it's actually right. part of the movement i've been authorized by my parent to be playing in this area and no i don't go home with strangers and I, but i may talk to strangers <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah. but they're trying to get back to a place where we're a, a little less concerned about right you know what students are engaged in, young people are engaged in. So, uh, you know th- this isn't going away today. But I'm glad we had a chance to talk about this, Dennis, because these are the kinds of issues that are going to come up again. And well, again. If we're not
1: out of time. We should point out that okay. that the president did a second mia culpa and reversed, reversed, right? Reversed her decision. So she ended up saying, "Gosh, I didn't know what I was talking about," <laughs> in effect, um, and actually pretty close to those words. I mean that yeah, I was I was insufficiently informed.
0: She, she dug in to the information, talked to lots of people. And actually, I give her credit for doing right. that. And I think one of the things that it points to, Dennis, I, I know this from personal experience. We live in a world where people want immediate responses. Mm-hmm. You know, student newspapers might interview you and <laughs> say, you know, what do you think about this issue? And the in, impulse is if you don't answer immediately, then you're hiding something or there's some other issue. So I know that in my own experience, I've done this kind of thing where we've responded immediately. You get some further information. And, you know, so I I think that that the president in this regard did when you do the right thing, ultimately, that's kudos to you. So Mm -hmm. I think she did the right thing. She got more information and and I think has responded in a way that supports academic freedom. So I think that's a, a good way forward here. And I think it, it points to the fact that this will be a difficult conversation, you know, that these kinds of issues aren't going away. And I think that as we look at this balance between what can be taught, what can be said in a classroom, we want to always, I think, err on the side of, of academic freedom. You know, uh, we, we uh, talked about when COVID was out there, you know, some professor was being excoriated because he said to, to his entire student body who came in without a mask on, you know, that they were uh, terrorists or something along (laughs) these lines, you know, and, uh, you know, boy, I don't love the statement, but at the same time, let's, let's not, uh, come crashing down upon a a prof over something like that. So as we, we look out to, uh, what's next, my hope is that this professor will be teaching again at Hamlin. I don't know that that has been established, but we'll leave our readers, our watchers and our listeners to, uh, Follow up on that in
1: the days ahead. She has a lawsuit with them against them now, so probably they're not going probably not going to
0: be uh, at the top of the list. Well, that's unfortunate, but we are looking forward to our next discussion. We're grateful that you're back with us. Please join us again for our Watchers of the Skies program. But for now, we'll bid you adieu from Ashland University JDM Department Watchers of the Skies.